everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. I am T, and we're talking scary movies. Don't touch that dial. Nothing is messed up, folks. This is an audio-only episode. Yes, if you have not picked that up by now there, I tend to do two video episodes a month, and then I do two audio episodes a month. It just allows me to make sure I can still get regular episodes out to y'all, because brother's got a job as well and that job sometimes interferes unfortunately with being able to uh do the video aspects for y'all but that's okay that doesn't mean the show is going to be any less in the quality terms there so if you want to know when new episodes are going up which by the way is every wednesday night at 8 30 p.m mountain standard time you got to subscribe here to the youtube page the youtube page will alert you when there are actually new episodes going up okay that is the best way to make sure you're aware of when um excuse me, of when I have new videos coming out. Sometimes it won't even just be episodes. It'll end up being things like unboxings. It can be food challenges, things like that. Uh, I, I put up a lot of stuff for y'all. So if you want to make sure you're getting all the right information for it, you absolutely have to make sure that you're checking that out so you get a chance to actually see that, okay? Make sure that you're doing it. And that link just because obviously I know this is audio only and I'm not putting any video up. That's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds scary movie. Again, youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds scary movie. And don't forget, we still do our watch parties. We typically have a movie watch party right after the new episode goes up. Usually it's either a movie that we talked about in the episode or it's themed around that. For example, we are going to be watching Hard Candy after this episode, okay? So if you want to check out Hard Candy, which is available for free or included with your Amazon Prime Video membership, you can tune in with us after this episode goes up. It's going to be about 9, 10, 9, 15 or so. So if you want to know when our watch parties are happening, you got to subscribe to the Facebook page for the group. Our Facebook page will let you know when we are doing our watch parties as well as the link to that as well. Because I always do post that link for y'all just so it's easier for you to track that down and access that. Okay. Don't want y'all to have to spend too much time trying to search. Uh, for that information okay it's dumb you shouldn't have to do it at all i just want to make that easy for you uh so y'all aren't just out there searching for everything okay so make sure you are also looking up our facebook page which is facebook.com slash groups slash t scary movie again that's facebook.com slash groups slash t scary movie so what are we talking about tonight I had to think about what I actually wanted to uh, go back and watch and review. And um, in the last couple of weeks, like basically since uh, since it came out, 
But now since the Golden Globes and moving into Oscar season as well, because the Oscars are obviously a bit delayed compared to their normal uh, time frame, which is usually, I believe, February uh, due to COVID. So they're going to be happening in April. And uh, one movie that's actually getting a lot of good buzz about it here is Promising Young Woman. Yes, Promising Young Woman um, is, it, it, it came out of nowhere kind of, like I remember seeing the, the trailer for it last year, uh, honestly, earlier on before the shutdown. And I was like, oh damn, okay, this looks really, really good. It looks like a scary movie about this woman who's been wronged by a man or maybe a group of men or maybe she's just tired of men in general and they're misogynistic and uh, somewhat predatory ways and decides that she's going to return the favor uh, that's due back to an endless amount of women over and over and over. And she's going to hunt these guys down and teach them a lesson for being the predators that they are. And uh, I got a chance to watch it recently. And oh man, is it good. It is absolutely incredible it's fun it's completely different from what i actually expected the movie to be which says a lot because the trailer was pretty hardcore trying to push where this movie was going to go so i'm fairly and pleasantly surprised by what actually happened with the film and uh miss nia one of my good friends from her own show nia has questionable tastes and the upcoming killer tomatoes podcast is going to be coming on here to share her thoughts on promising young woman and not a moment too soon because uh the the director of the film uh emerald finnell is going to actually be writing the upcoming Z uh, zatanna movie for dc so dc you know they're they're still pumping out their superhero movies they just put out obviously uh Zack snyder's justice league and they're expanding to a lot of other characters and they're going to do a movie about Z zatanna who is a magician in the DC universe, and it looks like Emerald Fresnel is going to be writing that script. So here's hoping she's got some good stuff going for her, for her with this, and she's got the credentials to do it. This could end up being a really, really good film, really good voice. But we'll talk more about Promising Young Woman later on. The other film we're going to be talking about tonight is the 2005 thriller Hard Candy, starring Elliot Page and Patrick Wilson, about uh, a man who is seemingly about to abduct a little girl that he's convinced to meet up with him, but is soon going to find out that he might not be the predator in this situation, that he's in fact the prey. So we're going to be talking hard candy here in just a little bit, and that's what we're going to be watching in our watch party after the episode. Remember, again, if you check out the Facebook page, you can grab the link for the watch party. Otherwise, you can also turn it on if you got Amazon Prime, as it is free on Prime Video. But before we start talking movies, we want to talk a little bit of movie news. It was recently announced that the upcoming Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie being produced by Fede Alvarez, who you might recognize the name because he did Don't Breathe about the, uh, the robbers who break into the blind man's house to rob him blind of his insurance money. And he soon lets them know that they're in a whole hell of their own as well as the Evil Dead reboot that came out a while back too. Now, I don't know about any of you. I definitely enjoyed Don't Breathe way more than Evil Dead. I thought Don't Breathe was something completely fresh and new and revolutionary. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. 
It's funny that a sequel is coming out for it, though, just because it's a premise that only really works, like, once, in my opinion. And I don't mean that the film's not good. Like, the film's absolutely fantastic. I have to be careful not to spoil it, because it only came out in 2016, so we're only five years out. Can't really talk about the ending or anything. But a blind man hunting all of these people where he's the bad guy just doesn't seem like something that you can replicate again because we have to suspend our disbelief like sure this guy was in the military and he's trained to kill and he's he's deadlier than what these people ever knew but just still got your limits i mean it just takes one intelligent person to basically not move have a gun and shoot him in the face and that's the end of the story and i remember um Again, I'm trying not to spoil any of it, but I remember seeing the film and the ending and thinking, man, this would be hilarious if this blind man just showed up right here. And I'm not going to, I can't elaborate more because it'll give it away, but, it, but you know what I'm talking about if you've seen it. It would have been absolutely hilarious just for the blind man to just show up uh, right there at the end of the movie because that's something that a dumber horror movie would do. And they didn't do that, though, if you watch the alternate ending to that film, uh, you'll find a nice little treasure in there that goes with that hilarious idea of an ending. But they clearly knew there was no way in hell that was going to work for a sequel. And so it's interesting that in the sequel, apparently the blind man will be the good guy. And I know I'm spoiling it because basically I'm confirming that the blind man survives through the end of the first film. And unfortunately, I can't really mention Don't Breathe 2 without giving that up. So there you go. But back to the initial story there is that there is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel that is coming out. It's expected to be out later this year, um, but I'm sure that'll end up being early 2022. I'm honestly expecting January is January is a good dumping place for big horror films. Um, and it only has to compete against Scream. So it could have a chance to actually do good in the box office. But what is interesting is that it was confirmed that this film would end up being a direct sequel to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And not only would it feature an older Leatherface, because we are doing a time jump, we're not just going right back to the uh, the late 60s, early 70s. Um, not only would it feature an old Leatherface, but our heroine from the first film, Sally Hardesty, it would also be coming back as an older version too. And... It's really interesting that that's the uh, that's the route that they're choosing to go with this. Honestly, I, I say that only because um, you wouldn't expect them to bring another character in or to bring like the same character back years later. The original actress has passed away. So as a matter of fact, they're actually having a Mandy actress, Owen Fourier will be taking over for the role. So we don't know if she's actually going to be the lead of this. Like, is this going to be a situation where Sally, again, is the one that's being hunted by Leatherface? Is it going to be more like the Halloween, uh, the 2018 Halloween sequel that came out to where, sure, Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode was one of our lead characters, but she wasn't the lead character. The film was more based around her uh, granddaughter in that film. So I have to assume right now something like that is still going to be the focus. Maybe not a family member, but maybe a different group of kids stumble upon Leatherface 
and uh, Sally is just kind of brought back in to help these kids out. Could be something like that. It could be something like she just lives close by and has just been keeping an eye over Leatherface's residence to make sure nobody stumbles over there. Who knows? We'll find out. But it is interesting to make another direct sequel. I've talked about this before to where I don't know where I land on that when it comes to making a new movie that just cancels out all these other movies that was made. For example, with Halloween, I love Halloween 4. Halloween 4, without question, is, in my opinion, the best Michael Myers movie that's out there. Uh, I think that uh, I, I think that the character of Jamie Lloyd, I love her, and there's nothing at all wrong with Jamie Lee Curtis's Laurie Strode, um, but I absolutely feel that Jamie Lloyd, Michael's niece, was a much better protagonist. Um, the danger filled, or uh, the danger felt way more heightened with her being the one being chased around versus Laurie, who has a better chance of fighting Michael Myers off. I mean, not well, but she at least has a chance, and it did suck. To get Halloween 2018 to come out, it's a great film. I absolutely enjoyed watching it. But knowing that everything from Halloween 2 on is now no longer canon, okay? None of it is canon. And more so for those folks that love Halloween H2O. I was never a big, big fan of H2O as a whole. I thought, again, crossing out the storyline with Jamie sucked. There was a way to make all of this work together. Um, and then it's just a very, it's a very like tame film compared to all the other movies in the series. But I feel it kind of sucks that even that doesn't get to be a part of this series anymore. It's literally Halloween one and Halloween 2018. And that's it. Still a great movie, but it sucks. To take those films out. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't a stranger to doing that because they have one of the most messed up continuities in a horror series that's out there. I mean, one connects to two, one connects to three, one connects to four, which is known as the next generation. Then you have the reboot. The reboot has a prequel. Then they made another completely separate prequel, which we have to say would connect to the first movie. So technically it's the prequel, the first movie and the second one, the prequel, the first movie and the third one, the prequel, the first movie and the fourth movie. So there's so many different timelines and continuities out there for this series that it's just an interesting choice, but I get it because you probably don't want to do just another straight up reboot that has to take time to reintroduce the characters to Leatherface or excuse me, reintroduce the audience to Leatherface. Like I get it. As a filmmaker, you likely don't want to deal with that again. You'd rather just leave that on the floor and start start anew. But you also won't have to pick up all the dangling threads that have been left by a bunch of other directors in the last 30 to 40 years too. So from that, it makes a lot of sense. But you can't help but say this sucks just because then we lose films like The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which is absolutely the best film in the series like without question that is the best film in the texas chainsaw massacre series and so to lose that it's absolutely a shame um i want story details there really haven't been any story details released on this we don't know what's going to be happening in this movie and i have a feeling we're going to start hearing more about it in the summer maybe we'll even get a trailer sometime in the next couple months as well too but they got to start releasing details because um the the release strategy for Leatherface, which is the prequel that just came out in the last few years, was abysmal. There wasn't really a lot of advertisements for it. Um, it really was direct to video. So the thing is, like, not a lot of people had a chance to even catch it in theaters. Like, I know there was a few that played it, but it didn't play on a lot of screens at all. There just was a lot. 
there just was a hell of a lot to really go through with the last Texas Chainsaw movie. So here's hoping they do a better job of building this up. But with a higher profile producer attached to it, I have to imagine that's definitely the plan. But who cares what I think? I want to know what y'all think. How many out there, how many of you out there have actually seen any of these sequels? I know a lot of people who saw the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, and then they also saw um, like the reboot with Jessica Beale, maybe the prequel to that, or maybe you even saw the one that came out uh, in the last 10 years called Texas Chainsaw 3D with uh, Trey Songs and <laughs> uh, Alexandra Daddario. Um, that wasn't bad. I, I actually did enjoy that one as well too but those movies they're very much like you you gotta love all of them or you gotta hate all of them like there's there isn't any in between with that now um but tell me which of those sequels did you like is there a certain timeline that you're out there following are you like a big reboot and prequel person do you like the old movies more i want to hear it put it in the comments section uh anybody that comments on this episode is going to be entered in a drawing to win a uh copy of the two disc special edition of event horizon on dvd as y'all would have saw from my facebook page i just got my scream factory release of event horizon so i'm getting rid of the dvd it has the exact same special features on the dvd that the blu-ray has it just doesn't have the new 4k uh, rendition that they put out so a good little prize all you have to do is comment on this episode and you're entered for a chance to win that copy of the movie and the limited edition screen factory poster too so let me know about Texas chainsaw massacre but now let's get into talking some movies we are gonna start by talking about hard candy it's interesting watching hard candy after you know the twist and keep in mind folks this movie came out in 2005 we are going full spoiler territory so if you're watching it after this episode and you don't want to be spoiled if you're watching it with us you need to tune out now okay because otherwise you're going to hear the twist if you don't already know but the trailer does give it away though too it's interesting watching this movie uh, after knowing the twist just because i found myself get, having some like heavy nostalgia about the movie itself like i said this came out in 2005 in 2005 i was graduating from high school in may i was starting a job at circuit city a few weeks later and it was my first real job uh, like i had worked a, a couple of jobs before but this is my first like kind of adult job where i was making an actual paycheck and being able to buy all this shit that i wanted and of course, me being me, if you know me, all of that money went back right back into movies, video games, things like that. OK, um, and one of the things that I ended up uh, picking up at some point was this movie Hard Candy. I had heard a lot about it online, uh, about this just being like it's an absolute just thriller it's gonna hold the tension the entire way through uh the twists in it are just like there's they're big and they're fantastic just that it's a really really great film and it made me think back to you know i bought the movie from circuit city when i was working there i would have bought like the huge five pound bag of gummy bears from like a local king supers or something maybe some red vines some mr pib uh, and I would stay up late and any new movie that I bought, I would end up staying up late and watching it over and over and over because my D my DVD player had this great thing to where 
um, you could just have, set it to repeat the entire film. So I'd watch it once for enjoyment, play play some video games, and then you know around two in the morning when I was done playing video games, I put the movie back on and it would stay on repeat until I woke up in the morning, basically. And it just gave me some great nostalgic feelings. Uh, but for the movie itself here, Patrick Wilson plays Jeff. He's sweet, he's smooth, he's so devilishly handsome, but he's also a predator. And he's meeting with Elliot Page's Haley in what is clearly a case of a child predator putting his prey in a trap, a well-thought-out trap. And as we're watching it, and he convinces Haley to come back to his place with her to listen to this new album he has, maybe take some photos and everything too. We're watching and the dread just keeps on growing. I mean, there's only one way that this film is going to go. He's going to get this girl back to his place and then he's going to reveal his true self and we're going to hope to death that Elliot Page's Haley uh, can escape, that uh, that she can get away. And that's something I really need to touch upon. I, I realize that I could probably be just as fine not mentioning it, uh, mentioning it, y'all. Um, but Haley, I, I do know, obviously I'm respecting uh, Elliot Page's pronouns and everything. And when I say her, I'm referring to the character of Haley. All respect to Elliot Page. Um, but as we're watching this movie, we're definitely thinking that this is just going to go terribly bad. And over the course of the next like 80 minutes, you know, is Haley going to be able to escape from Jeff? You know, she's in the clutches of a monster. What's going to happen? And all that goes out the window after Jeff passes out from the from his drug drink. And the rest of the movie had my jaw on the floor. Now, if you don't know the twist, the thing is that the twist happens incredibly early in the film. And what the audience and Jeff perceive as Jeff being the predator, and make no mistake, he is the predator. He is a predator for sure. So is Haley. It becomes very clear that Haley sought out Jeff for a very specific reason and is there to bring him absolute terror. And it wasn't so much the twist, but I guess just how much of a predator that Elliot Page's Haley ended up being. On subsequent viewings, and there definitely weren't a lot, uh, I mean, given the subject matter, it's not like this is a movie. I, I go back to a lot, no matter how good it is. Like, you mean Freddie Jason, Michael Myers movie? Sure, I'll go back and watch that. It's a fake killer going around and murdering people in these fantastic ways. It's not real. But when I have to watch something like this to where, well, uh, child trafficking and sexual sex predators, like that's a real thing that's out there. Uh, and if last summer would have you believe it's the top issue in the country. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying that, but... I'm making a joke about the idiots last summer who decided that their cause was uh, child predators because of QAnon. Yeah, you're idiots, straight up. Uh, it is a problem, but yeah, notice how all that went away right after Q stopped posting about it, right? Fucking idiots. Don't believe that shit. Um, but what was interesting about it was that I actually saw the movie completely different even from like my subsequent watchings after seeing it the first time. It, it's kind of like watching The Sixth Sense. Like before you know the twist and then you find out, it is just shocking. It's out of nowhere. It's a huge revelation and you're just, it's ridiculous to hear it and to see it. 
But then you watch it again knowing, and that first few times you watch The Sixth Sense after the twist, it's still really good because you're seeing it from a different perspective. And it's like, oh, that makes more sense now. Or, oh, oh, I didn't pick up on that trick. That's why they're not talking to Bruce Willis in this scene because he's dead. They can't see him. So I have to interpret this differently. And it's the same thing with Hard Candy. Watch that opening scene with her, uh, with Haley and Jeff in the coffee shop talking. And if you don't get a chill from that, then you got no feelings because yes, we should absolutely feel disgusted by what Jeff is doing. And he is absolutely the worst there in the scene. No matter what, Jeff is the terrible, terrible person. Never going to, never going to uh, rectify or say otherwise, but watching pages Haley in that opening scene is scary knowing what she's about to do to this man again over the next 80 minutes and she plays the role with such youthful uh, youthful enthusiasm but she's a psychopath she's a psychopath uh, or she's a sociopath with psychotic tendencies and it's so interesting because even comparing like the subject matter to something like promising young woman that is an adult woman who has fully formed thoughts and is making conscious decisions about what she's doing to these men in hard candy i'm not saying that kids can't have rational thoughts and they're not thinking things out but one thing that does come across this entire film though is that Well, regardless of all this, regardless of the fact that Jeff is absolutely in the wrong and there's no explaining that, she's still a kid. And there's a more than decent chance she does not understand the consequences to her actions, that the things that she's doing are going to leave her scarred for the rest of her life. You know, the film was written by Brian Nelson and was directed by David Slade. This duo actually worked together uh, on the vampire classic 30 Days a Night, which I hate calling a classic, but we're in that that age now, folks, to where films that were in the early 2000s are going to now be called classics because it was that long ago. Um, They keep the tension tight. And between incident to incident, man, do we need a breath because there is so much in this film, we don't really get a break from it at all. And Wilson and Paige play perfectly off each other. Uh, Wilson attempts to earnestly bond with Paige, talking about his life and what led to these dark desires and some of the shit that he's been through in his life. And he keeps up the idea, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And that speaks to his acting because we do like we we do think that he might not have done what he's being accused of we don't necessarily believe elliot page throughout this film because we need proof and furthermore than that we need more proof and that's not because we don't want to believe it again it's because patrick wilson is such a great actor that we're not quick to just suddenly jump on Haley's bandwagon here and say jeff is a predator even though he is all right um and oh man Uh, Like, I've already talked about Elliot Page, but the power exchange between these two throughout the film is amazing. Control plays such a big part, and these two continually pass it back and forth, back and forth. And the scene that I I love kind of focusing on is probably the one that y'all are thinking uh, involving uh, involving testicles, and that's all I'm going to say. And it's interesting because you'll watch the film and Patrick Wilson's just explaining this story. And who knows? Who knows? Because we don't get a lot of background here. Who knows if this story is true? It could be. He speaks with all the right emotions in place, but 
He's also who he is. So it could just be a load of bullshit and not actually have any effect on things at all. But he tells Elliot Page this story and immediately there's no care. There's no care at all. But then later on, there starts being a little bit of sympathy, uh, sympathy, sympathy, sympathy. I hate that word. Sympathy. And the power is exchanged again because then one person's faking, but the other person is faking. And just the dynamic between the two is amazing. The way that they pass that back and forth is so, so good. And the film doesn't really rely on, uh, obviously, a lot of the traditional horror tropes. There are some mild jump scares in this film. Nothing that's really going to give nightmares or anything like that. But instead, really, what's terrifying is the atmosphere. We're thinking and seeing the things that Haley is planning on doing to Jeff. And we know what Jeff is planning to do at the beginning of the film and throughout the film, what he wants to do to Haley as well. And... We have to talk about the morality of it because Patrick Wilson's Jeff, again, is a monster. Without question, Jeff is a monster. It's, he's a child molester and potentially a child killer as well, too. And there's a question of whether, well, if this is true, does he deserve his day in court versus, you know, what ultimately ends up happening? Haley clearly had the evidence needed that she could call the cops and put him away for life. There wasn't really a way for Jeff to walk out of this, but she forces the choice onto Jeff about how this is all going to end. And a question of morality does come up. What makes more sense? I mean, you see it even in stories today when we hear about child predators. Like, don't give them jail time. Shoot them in the nuts. Oh, don't give them jail time. Kill them. And the question is, what's actually the right answer? Do they deserve to spend their lives in prison where they will? absolutely uh regret their entire life when they get there and the things that'll happen or does it make sense to kill them or to let them kill themselves or whatever it's a suspenseful film and it's a chilling one y'all and patrick wilson and elliot page are mvps with the work they do together if you haven't seen this movie you are truly missing out check it out hard candy again it is on amazon prime for free you can absolutely watch that or tune in tonight our watch party we're gonna be checking that out as well too so as we approach the end here like i mentioned we're gonna get into promising young woman my good friend nia is gonna join us to give uh give us her thoughts on this all right so enjoy Hi, this is Nia Travers of Nia Has Questionable Taste, and thanks so much, T, for letting me come onto your show again and give a review of Promising Young Woman, which is a movie that I felt was just so amazing, and thanks. Here's my review. Promising Young Woman is a romantic thriller revenge movie written and directed by Emerald Fennell in her feature directorial debut. It was produced by Margot Roby, Josie McNamara, Tom Ackerley, Ben Browning, Ashley Fox, and also the director, Emerald Fennell. The movie stars Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, Alison Brie, Clancy Brown, Jennifer Coolidge, Luna Burton Cox, and Connie Breton. It was released at Sundance in January 25th of 2020, and it didn't have its theatrical release until almost a full year later in December 25th of 2020. Um, it is now available to purchase via video on demand services or physical copy. 
The film is so good, it has been nominated for five nominations at the Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actress. In Promising Young Woman, Carrie Mulligan stars as Cassie Thomas, a highly intelligent, calculating, beautiful woman who years ago dropped out of medical school to live with her parents. Her days are spent working at a coffee shop with her friend Gail, and her nights are spent going out to bars and acting like she is too wasted to stand while waiting for some nice guy to inevitably come and save her. If the sweet allure of what Cassie potentially does to her would-be saviors doesn't entice you, um, perhaps the fact that this film offers a fresh gamut of emotions and a unique take on the revenge thriller concept might. Where Hard Candy, I Spit on Your Grave, and Gone Girl first led us into the concept of a movie based off of female revenge, Promising Young Woman offers us a new insight into the concept of past trauma and how it could affect someone years later. The movie cajoles us into empathizing with our main character, and Emerald Fennel's Emerald Fennel's cameraman gives us many shots laden with girlish pink and boyish blue hues, which lend a nice touch of saccharine malice to the whole affair. The camera work should also be applauded because the male gaze has been cunningly reversed, such that shots that appear to dehumanize Cassie leave us, the viewer, feeling super unsettled. Promising Young Woman also meanders lovingly through different genres. At some points, you will feel the hairs on the back of your neck stand at end, and at other points, you'll be singing Paris Hilton's Stars Are Blind and enjoying a romantic comedy. This is the strength of the movie. It makes you more empathetic to the Cassie and all the emotions that she too is feeling as she goes from astonishing rage to loving girlfriend back to cold, destroying anger. In the end, I feel like the movie wasn't written as a morality tale, but rather merely to to garner discussion, and Emerald Fennel has been quoted as saying that as well. She would like us to ask ourselves what we might be complicit in, um, and the movie ends up leaving us feeling wholly bereft and wanting more. There's a lot of aspects in this movie that you'll want answered, such as what does a red pen, a blue pen, a black pen mean? Why is she journaling numbers and names? What is her entire journal about? And it ultimately leaves you asking a lot of questions. Please do yourself a favor and watch this movie. It's smart. It's funny. It's sweet. It's utterly maddening and also so sad, and it's just like our heroine, Cassie. Watch it with a friend, sit back, think about it, and then watch it again. See if you gain anything new the second time around. I highly recommend this movie. Emerald Fennel and Carrie Mulligan are amazing. This is not a movie to be missed. Thank you so much again, Nia for giving us your thoughts on Promising Young Woman. Folks, this movie is incredible. It is absolutely incredible, and it's a very timely movie as well, too. The subject matter is stuff that millions of women and other people deal with on a very, very regular and constant basis. It is an important story. And yes, there are some missteps. Obviously, I'm not going to speak directly to the ending or anything like that and spoil that, um, but... 
I do feel that the movie would have been completely different had it followed what the trailer showed it might have been. And the trailer is completely different from what the actual movie is. That being said, there is still a lot of scares in this film, but they don't really come from, ah, oh, that's spooky, that's scary. A lot of it's coming from there are real people out there that are doing what these guys do. There are real people out there in higher up positions that are not helping. This is something that's out there happening, and that is absolutely something that's bringing like fear to this film and in real life. So check it out. It's available for rent. It's available for, for purchase as well. We're going to wish Emerald Fennell and the Promising Young, uh, young Woman crew so much luck in the Oscars. Pick something up uh, so you can bring that home for such a great movie. That is going to do it for us tonight, though. I appreciate all of you tuning in. Hope this was a blast for you to listen to. We'll be back next week talking Event Horizon and Pandorum. Yeah, you saw that on the Facebook group. Next week, we're going to be back here talking horror in space where no one can hear you scream. And I know some of you are like, ah, oh, why didn't you do Alien? Why didn't you do Predators? Why didn't you do Hellraiser 4? Folks, We'll get to those movies eventually, but hey, I can't pass up the time, uh, the chance to talk about Event Horizon, which is amazing. Can't pass up the time to talk about Pandorum, which is basically the descent in space. Got to talk about both of those. So tune in next week so you can hear us discuss those two films. And if you want a chance to win a copy of Event Horizon and a limited edition Screen Factory poster, all you got to do is comment on this video to qualify for that. Yes, yes, yes. That is going to do it for us tonight, folks. I am T. We've been talking some scary movies. Y'all stay scared.